We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three! One, two, three! Keep pounding! All right, Panthers fans, welcome back to the Roar Podcast on Blue Wire. It's John Ellis. Hope you guys are having a great week as we wind things down on a Friday morning here, getting you set for Fan Fest. Of course, uh, we've been monitoring action at training camp here in Spartanburg uh, for the last uh, eight practices or so, and I'll be in Charlotte tonight for Fan Fest, uh, giving you guys updates and the lowdown on on what we see, maybe a little more contact, a little more uh, action, some fans in the stands. That's always good. So. Stay tuned for that at One Panther Place on Twitter. Billy Marshall is on vacation. Bless his heart. He is uh, a hardworking man and uh, has done so much for this show. And he'll be back next week to help break down uh, the, the roster and give us a sense from his perspective on from what he's hearing and what he's seeing and uh, what he feels might be the, the team moving forward. So we look forward to Billy getting back in the saddle here. But uh, it's flying solo today, giving you some updates here once again from training camp. So let's start again by uh, thanking Blue Wire for this platform. They've been terrific. Uh, we're, we're into our second year now with these guys and uh, can't thank them enough. So Kevin Jones, Tyler Chin, uh, Ty, all the guys out there at Blue Wire, we appreciate you very much. And of course, all the listeners that make this show uh, one of the preferred Panthers podcasts out there, I think. Uh, we could say that safely. Uh, we appreciate you guys as well. So, training camp. Man, it's been a you know, just a steady battle here in terms of the offense versus defense. We're going to talk a lot about 11-on-11s here because the team has been running a lot of 11-on-11 the past few practices here. Um, the JT Ibby, Kirk uh, Keith Kirkwood uh, situation. Look, right off the bat, let me just tell you, I was there. <clears throat> that was an unfortunate hit. Uh, people have asked me what my take is on it. Uh, here's what it boils down to to me. You know, Matt Rule uh, is the coach, uh, and organizationally, as you guys have probably read lately and have heard, you know, he is, Darren Gant has reported this, I think, uh, through Twitter, and um, other people have followed up on this. You know, 
Matt Rule is at the very top of the football food chain with this organization. Uh, I'll say this, that I believe Scott Fitterer and Dan Morgan, I believe Morgan, I can't confirm that, I believe Morgan were right there on the field as this Kirkwood thing happened. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I will say, you know, Matt runs a tight ship. Um, he's proven through the, the, the Teddy Bridgewater release, uh, or trade rather, through uh, the Cam Newton release, through other you know, acquisitions and other you know moves that have been made. He doesn't mess around, and whether we agree or disagree with what happened, uh, that's how he functions. Um, I, I have covered training camp for a while now. I've been to almost all of these camps in Spartanburg, and I don't recall a player being cut on the spot like that. But you know, Jimmy Johnson had an old sort of unwritten rule about you know players getting treatment, you know, commiserate with their talent level and their value to the team, and. Um, could be one of those things you know hey if that's a jeremy chin making that hit obviously they take a breather and step back but flip side you could also say jeremy chin probably wouldn't make that hit because he's a smart player he's a team leader um i, I don't think it should be a, a quote career death sentence for jt it'd be i think uh the kid really deserves an opportunity to play again and i think hopefully he'll get a chance for those who write it off and say oh he's a camp body it's no big deal <clears throat> look this team is not exactly very deep on the second uh, level at safety behind uh, Chin and Sam Franklin and, and Justin Burris. So I think every every guy counts out there. And I hope these moves aren't made lightly. I've talked to some people on site who have worked uh, on this beat for a while, media members, and, and they have mixed opinions uh, without mentioning names. I mean, there's a lot of mixed opinions about the, the timing of the move and the severity of the punishment. Um, but, but I think most of all, Kirkwood's okay. Uh, it looks like he was diagnosed with a concussion, and he'll be able to overcome that, obviously, hopefully, through, uh, through some rest and rehab. And he was back in action you know, on campus, so uh, obviously he's okay. But it was a scary moment, and uh, you know, I hope JT you know, obviously learns from it and, and is able to catch on somewhere else because he seems like a really good kid. It's just an unfortunate situation. So <clears throat> we've unpacked that one. <laughs> we'll move on to what we want to talk about here, which is the actual football on the field. And um, look, here's what I can tell you. Just let's start with the offense. Sam Darnold and, and the entire offensive unit <clears throat> has been very sharp. Darnold, we, we talked about some of the, the stuff he needs to work on from his tape. It's footwork. It's not necessarily progressions and reads. It's not that side of it. It's just mechanics. It's settling down to the pocket, aligning his eyes with his feet, making sure everything is in alignment, and making throws within the pocket. Out of structure, we've talked about it when he escapes the pocket, when things break down. He's actually pretty darn good there. Um, he's done some pretty good things on tape with the Jets. It's been fun to watch Sam, though. And I talked with one scout in the offseason, an uh, NFL scout, who told me that Sam just needs an opportunity. You know, he's got all the tools, all the traits you look for, but the, the situation in New York was so muddled, and the talent pool there was just uh, <clears throat> not sufficient for a first-round quarterback to develop. Um, he had Robbie for a minute there, but, you know, that ended, and uh, Robbie ended up here. It, it just it's, it's refreshing to see Darnold with DJ Moore on one side, with 
you know, a very promising receiver in Terrace Marshall, who we'll talk about in a minute, moving around the slot, playing the Z, the X, all over the place on the field. Robbie Anderson, of course, back in the mix with Sam. And you can see they're connecting with, with, with frequency um, when, when they run 11 on 11s here. You know, I, the, the positional drills, it's stuff you just got to kind of, it's not window dressing, it's, it's teaching. You know, these guys are teaching technique. Uh, these are coaching moments. It's not really, you know, of, of high value to evaluate. But when they get onto 11 on 11s and they start playing, you know, some simulated action here, you can pull some things from that when you look. And I think the thing I think with Sam, <clears throat> when I look at his game so far, and again, we got FanFest tonight, we've got preseason coming up next week. That's what really starts to, to, to boil down to there when you can see some more live, you know, live bullets action, as they say. Uh, Sam looks really comfortable, and um, not only with, with, with Anderson, with Moore, the guys we talked about, David Moore as well, by the way, who's, who's made a little bit of a splash at times at camp, but uh, the tight end situation. Dan Arnold and Ian Thomas both, uh, more so Arnold. Um, <laughs> Darnold's Arnold, you know. <laughs> That's going to be fun all year to monitor. Um, you know, Dan has been a really nice presence for Sam and for this offense. They've done some good things with him um, in terms of formations. They've gotten him out there um, as, the, as the move tight end that we thought he would be. Now, again, move tight end, the U tight end, as they, they call sometimes. Uh, think Jimmy Graham, okay, when he was with the Saints. Yeah, Panthers fans know the nightmares you had with Jimmy Graham in his prime. <clears throat> and um, Jimmy w was really good. Sean Payton was really good with Jimmy in terms of moving him around uh, not only outside wide but you know getting him in the slot very rarely you're going to see him in line doing any sort of hardcore blocking that's going to be some of the Ian Thomas duty there of course Tommy Trimble who plays the H-back the role Trimble uh, I wouldn't say he's at a quiet camp but again he's a blocker and that's why he's here as Greg Cosell told us on our podcast a few weeks ago He'll melt your face mask, and that's that's what he does. He's he's a tenacious blocker. Uh, Colin Thompson's in the mix as well. Um, Giovanni Ricci has has made a couple plays, but again, I'm curious to see Ian Thomas and Dan Arnold. Will they be deployed together at times in a 12 personnel fashion? Will they will they get them out there a little bit and maybe move Arnold to the outside and keep Thomas inside and get some matchups with Moore and Anderson? It'll be fun to watch because. As we talked about with some of the tape we looked at last year, Joe Brady likes to pull guys together in a 12 formation or, or even 21-22 formation, which again is, is relative to the tight end running back balance versus wide receivers. So 11 personnel would, would be what they run a lot of, which is three wide, one running back. 12 personnel, uh, it's gonna be two tight ends, one running back. <clears throat> and you know 22 personnel, is going to be two running backs, which would be a fullback in front of a, a lead back, in front of a uh, halfback, rather, and then you would have two tight ends. So he's run a lot of that stuff, some of the heavier stuff, but run it at empty. So again, you, you'll see that in pre-snap in the huddle, um, it'll get the defense in, in sort of in conflict and out of alignment there. It happened right out of the gate against Oakland last year when they, they ran, I believe, in the first series came out at a 12 personnel which was two tight ends or was i think it was 22 personnel actually 21 personnel where they had the arma split wide and that ian thomas split wide on the other side and inside is where they put their speed 
and that created some some confusion in terms of matchups, and that got, uh, I believe, Robbie at that point was matched up against the linebacker. Anyway, that's one play out of a thousand, but <laughs> gives you an idea what Joe Brady likes to do, and that's some of the, I think the Sean Payton influence that uh, that trickles down there. <clears throat> Just to, let's talk a little bit about how they practice, okay? There's been some talk lately about red zone practicing, red zone situational practicing. You know, I was not at camp last year. A lot was made about how they practiced at camp last year and how they practiced throughout the season. <clears throat> Teddy Bridgewater, of course, made some comments on a podcast that the the red zone practicing was the red zone situational stuff was not really a huge element of, of Matt Rule's you know practice structure. It wasn't too clear to me from listening to that if that was specific to training camp or throughout the season. But, you know, Teddy obviously had, you know, concerns about that. And he voiced it, and I think he did backtrack a little bit, and I think the team might have addressed it. I don't I don't remember, honestly, but I just remember Teddy's comments. Because <clears throat> when you get released from a team, um, you know, the, it's it can be sour grapes. Um, I, I don't know if Teddy has that, but the more important point to drive home here is how they practice. This year, it, it is heavy situational football. And again, is it more so than it was last year, Camp? I don't know because I wasn't there. And I, I know from the reporting I saw, it, it was hard to really pull from that because I think it was kind of a, <laughs> they did a good job of, from a COVID perspective, of walling off practice and limiting you know, observational stuff from reporters. But I think they probably masked a lot of what they did in terms of showing the media, uh, you know, the situational stuff. What I heard from a source within the team, okay, and this is a, a reliable source, is that they practice plenty of red zone stuff in camp, okay? That, that, that some of the, the, the conversation out there on Twitter has been, well, you know, the, the, you know, they said that they didn't do much red zone stuff in camp, blah, blah, blah. You know, look, I've talked to somebody within the team who would know, who, who was close to that situation, and on the football side, who says, look, you know, look, in training camp last season, there was plenty of red zone situational elements within practice. It's throughout the season where it kind of tailed off a little bit. Now, is that something that typically happens with every team? You know, it just depends from regime to regime. <clears throat> All I can speak to is what's happening right now. There is a ton of emphasis on not only red zone, but situational. You know, Matt will will You'll hear his voice <laughs> echoing through the, the, the halls of, of Wofford there. It's like Sam Kinison, <laughs> the, the late, great Sam Kinison. Um, second and eight, second and eight. I want the ball in the 18, third and four. It's a lot of situation. Again, that's not unusual for training camp. I'm not trying to break ground here. It's no, nothing groundbreaking. But it's good to see it from Carolina's end. There is a ton of emphasis on that, on ball security drills, on, you know, look, Lots been made of the DBO sign, the don't beat ourselves. Um, it's been kind of funny to watch at times. But Matt Rule has been on his guys about, look, offensive procedural penalties are not going to be tolerated, and yet there have been quite a few of them, um, particularly on, on, was it Thursday's practice? Yes, yeah, Thursday's practice, countless number. I mean, you know, five, six, seven times we saw players sometimes – you know, a group of players offensively running together to that DBO sign to tap it. But I think that's a good element to throw into practice. It, it reinforces discipline. Hopefully it gets these guys, you know, to focus in and zone in on what they're doing, which we'll get to in a little bit on the offensive line because there are question marks there. Um, <clears throat> 
But yeah, I think you know, the, the, for, for talking about red zone practice, you know, I, it, it's hard to know last year what happened with the disconnect between what Teddy says and what the team says. And again, a lot has been said and made about it since then. But my source tells me that going back to training camp last year, there was a heavy emphasis on that in camp. It wasn't like they ignored it. But this year, actually being there once again, seeing it. You have there. There is a there, there's a certain amount of limitation you have on the media side. Let me just address this real quick too. Okay, so <clears throat> when you're working, so I'm I'm sort of on the <laughs> right kind of wedged in between because I'm not on the Joe Person, Elena Getzenberg, David Newton level of, of regular beat reporter. Okay, standard access, but I have some access. And when you have that, you know, there's guys out there that are live streaming camp and they're doing a great job. But when you, I, I'm not allowed to do that, frankly. I, I can't. I'm, I've been asked not to do that um, very respectfully. And Panthers PR has been terrific to me and, and, and for me this camp. And the access has been good. So um, I, I'm not giving you the. The, the, the sort of visuals that I would like to give you because, I mean, it's twofold. Number one, the team itself has a multi-person, you know, production team out there, and it, it looks like a Hard Knocks crew. And, you know, Bill Voth and, and his team out there, look, they do great work, but I think they do want to sort of own that content, and they want to be able to have the, you know, the ownership on some of the photography during 11 and 11, some of the, the videography during that. And I, I understand that. I get it. Uh, that's It's a business. Um, it's also strategic, too, obviously. Getting back to 2011, I told you guys a story a while back about camp. Uh, we were all on Twitter tweeting out the play-by-play on everything, <laughs> specific stuff like formations, like a 12 personnel, uh, jet sweep, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this is sort of the Wild West of Twitter back then. That's 2011. This is Ron's first camp, uh, Cam's first camp. So a lot of emphasis was being put on, let's get some information out there as quickly as possible. And a couple of the PR guys had come by and asked us to sort of shut that down. And it was sort of unknown as to what the rules were and what the boundaries were in terms of how much we could say. And, you know, it was complicated. But now it's pretty clear. Look, if you're, if you're credentialed, um, which I'm, I now am, <laughs> to, I mean, partially credentialed. I don't know how long that's going to last, but we'll see. But uh, they've been kind to me. So in, in return, I'm, I'm working hard to follow the guidelines and not give out too much information on site. What you're allowed to do is gather information. And you'll see this in like a Joe Person write-up on The Athletic, who does a great job. Gather information from 11 on 11s and stuff like that and, and put it into a long-form you know, write-up. Or in my case, it's the show here, which is like a, uh, a verbal version of writing a story. Because I, I come from a writing background. That's where I started, and then the newspaper business when I was 22, 23 years old, doing the high school beat at the Greenville News. Um, so I get it. I, I I totally get you know, you know, writing it up, the value of it. And we One Panther Place, the website is still up, it's still operational, but we prefer, I think, right now at this point, to use the radio chops and to verbalize what we see. And I think it's a good medium for you guys. Anyway, there's your media talk. Um, <clears throat> I've got some questions here from you guys. I'll pull them up in a minute because I know some of you had some questions about what we've seen at camp and uh, what some of my observations have been. I just want to run through a couple more notes from practice here. Um, again, the situational stuff, it's its not just red zone practice. It's, you know, we're, we're sort of in a two-minute drill environment. There's a lot of two-minute drill emphasis, a lot of hurry-up emphasis, a lot of emphasis on getting to the ball fast, lining up correctly. 
particularly on offense. Um, defensively as well, you know, it's just as important to be able to make sure that you know guys like Reddick, who are new to the team, are in the right spot. You know, again, the, the way the formation looks, it's hard to say. You know, what kind of base they're running. A forty-three under would come to mind, where Reddick is sort of your strong side backer at this point, at least in some base I've seen. And then you come down the line on defense to Quan Jones, who had a day off yesterday, but who's been you know very solid during camp here. Derek Brown, who's looked great. Derek has looked fantastic to me. When he's been on 11 on 11s, he has been shooting the gap and, and flushing the quarterbacks out on a consistent basis. I'm excited about that. And of course, Brian Burns, you know, on the weak side, you know, playing the edge and, and getting after it. And I think that's one thing Stanley McClover and I spent a whole hour together talking about how to best utilize his brother Brian Burns and he just kept saying to me John you know just we got to just keep him in wide nine and pin him back and let him get after it obviously when you're you're first and ten you're playing the run at some point I get it but you know Stanley and I I agree with Stanley I think the less you throw him back in coverage he needs to learn that skill set and he's continuing to evolve there he's done some good things in coverage but you just got to let Brian be Brian and just let him pin his ears back and get after it. He he had a rep on Cam Irving, on on in one on ones that was just it was so good, <laughs> so quick. And um, Irving, you know, we're gonna get to the offensive line here in a minute, but it, it was just Brian is just remarkably gifted in terms of his lean, his dip, um, his body control, his, his his discipline. He's gonna be so much fun to watch if he stays healthy, and that's the key thing with Brian. Um, you know, just staying healthy, making sure that, you know, he, he avoids the things that keeps him out of games for an extended period of time. And that's the key for Brian Burns. Um, there's been a question here about who's wearing the green dot on defense. I do not know. Um, somebody else may know out there. Um, as of right now, like, that's, that's something that can change, always subject to change. I would imagine Shaq would be your guy with the green dot, although Jermaine Carter has been out there making some defensive calls. Uh, Shaq has been hurt, by the way. He's been dinged up. I suspect he'll be back soon. It doesn't look like it's anything too serious. I think they're just kind of moving along slowly because he's a veteran. He's somebody they value, <clears throat> somebody that is counting quite a bit against the cap, and they don't want to get him too dinged up in, in training camp here. Um, Julian Stanford, you know, backup linebacker number 50, has also seen significant action. Clay Johnston got in the action as well, former LA Ram, um, yesterday. So they're rotating some guys in in Shaq's absence. I'd be concerned about that. Um, the linebacking core is good, okay, when they're healthy. Shaq and Jermaine together. You know, Perriman, by the way, Denzel Perriman has been hurt, and that's been a consistent theme with him throughout the couple of years here that he's had a stretch of injuries that has kept him out. He's been very good against the run. He had one rep where I, I filmed it, actually. I put it out there on Twitter where he thumped the running back. It was, you know, it was fun to watch. It's good to see that kind of presence inside. He's got kind of a squatty Sam Mills type of build. Um, low to the ground and really attacks downhill but I think he's got to stay healthy otherwise he's he's not going to be much use to this team if he plays a half a season you get some value out of it but you want to see Denzel in there as much as possible on rundowns because this is a a schedule we've run down the schedule guys I'm not going to do it again but you go back and look at the Panthers schedule there are some teams on that schedule that like to run the football down your throat and it'll happen early on too between Ezekiel Elliott Kamara, the Jets are going to lean on that with a rookie quarterback. Um, look, <clears throat> you've got to be able to have the presence on the second level to be able to control that. And it was not a good year last year and at times until they got Jermaine Carter in there and replaced Whitehead, who 
really underperformed, or I guess you could say performed up to his standards that had been on tape recently. He, he underperformed in the run game, I think. The passing covered stuff, I mean, we kind of knew coming in that Whitehead was going to be a liability. But Jermaine Carter, it's a big year for him. Carter's got an opportunity with uh, you know Shaq dinged up a little bit right now to sort of take charge and lead the defense in the middle of the field there. And we'll see what happens. In the secondary, it's been interesting. J.C. Horn, my goodness. I mean, this kid is is lean and long. Uh, Stanley McClover and I talked about this. He just he said, John, he's built for it. And, and you can see it. You know, he's just got the, the 6-1 frame, the physicality, the long arms, the the, the good. He just he's, he's got the physical traits you want to see. He moves very good out of his breaks. He does a great job in terms of, um, you know, on the press side of things, being physical. And he's very good from an anticipation perspective. He had a couple of plays I've seen here in 11 and 11 where he's jumped some routes where he's, you know, I think he's sort of read what's coming here in terms of some of the, by the way, just a little sidebar. It's it's, it's connected to this, but it's a bit of a sidebar here. Phil Snow has been bringing some heat, okay? Um, we're, we're not allowed to say much during practice about specifics, but there have been some 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 overload blitzes with chin and burns on the same side they have been burn phil snow has been dialing up some exotic stuff it almost looks like a dick lebeau steelers type of defense at times out there they're bringing the heat and they're really challenging this entire defense but to that point when they do that as they've been doing that horn has a chance to to diagnose darnold's you know thought process there and there were a couple times where Darnold did check down to to a hot route um and and Horn was quick to jump it and neither were picked but there was one in particular it was Thursday I believe where he, he got in there and, and broke the thing up and it was fantastic um so Horn looks good I mean obviously he's he's very handsy um I think Matt Rule even talked about that and one of his pressers he, he's very physical um I think most coaches would prefer you come in with that as a foundation that you can teach with rather than come in with a passive, you know, I, I don't want to get in trouble here. He's coming in and he's locking horns. Um, so it's been fun to watch J.C. Horn. Jeremy Chin just looks fantastic as always, uh, taking command of the secondary. They, they've been rotating a little bit uh, on the, the, the other side, on the safety front. And people say, well, what is Chin? Free, strong? It's Look, he, he is what he is. <laughs> so I, I would say... By definition, he's a strong safety because, see, when they rotate a lot out of the cover three or a single high look, Chin's the one playing down towards the tight end side or the strong side, and you've got either Sam Franklin or Burris opposite Chin. And, and Franklin got some reps in practice on Thursday in first team. I thought that was interesting. I think, you know, Burris is a fine player. He's the incumbent. Um, it's going to be, you know, always hard to replace a guy who was the starter last year, but I think Franklin might give him a run for his money. It'll be interesting. Dante's look good as, as well. Dante Jackson, I think uh, a year later, you know, kind of getting healthy, get, getting over some of the lower body injuries he's had. You know, he's had a rough go here over the past few years with injuries. And if he can just stay healthy, one scout told me, look, JC and a healthy Dante beside on the other, you know, in there, it, it can be a really dynamic duo in terms of JC locking down one side, Dante, you know, fetching the ball on the other, or making a play on the ball. They're both very competent outside. A.J. Bouye, obviously, he's suspended for the first couple of games this year, and he's been sidelined with an injury, and that's going to keep him out, it looks like, reportedly for a little bit of time here, maybe a week, maybe two. They don't know exactly how long yet. But um, some have made the point that that's not a bad thing, that, you know, we suspended the first two games anyway, so it's fine. I, I 
tend to disagree. Just this is my philosophy on it, my perspective, I think. This is training camp. You need as many of these type of reps together because Bouye has been, you know, sort of suggested as the lead candidate for Nickelback. And we thought that coming in. We told you, a uh, source we had spoken to the team several weeks ago had told us that they expected Dante to be outside, not only because of his coverage skills and his athleticism outside, but Bouye is considered to be the better tackler inside. And, and it is sort of a veteran presence inside to play the slot corner, which is an intricate position. It's not an easy one to learn. It's not an easy one to pick up on. If those three guys can stay healthy, which would be Horn, Bouye inside at the, the slot corner, and then Jackson outside, that's a really dynamic trio in your nickel sub package. Um, I think they can really do some damage there, particularly when you consider the pass rush. Um, what are they going to do at left tackle? Folks, look, I'm just going to tell you straight up, Cam Irving does not look like the part. Um, he has had multiple false starts. You never – it's the first week and a half of training camp, so you don't want to come in too aggressive and too strong on a guy and rip him. And Twitter tends to do that, and we've tried real hard to be, you know, football-centric here and, and keep the satire and, and the jokes out of it. It's, it's not a laughing matter. The kid's a former first-round pick. He's got talent. I just think he's better inside. Um, League source had told me that, you know, as it comes to Carolina's left tackle situation, uh, don't rule out anything in terms of maybe picking up a veteran at some point. Um, because they've got cap room. There's plenty of time. It, there's a precedent for it. These things happen. You, you end up getting guys getting picked up off the wire, even maybe after week one, if you've got a veteran out there. And I don't, I don't have the list in front of me. I don't know who's still available. Obviously, Russell Okung is still out there. I don't know if he's retired and cashed in his Bitcoin or if he's still interested in playing some football. But I would call, I'd, be, I'd be calling Russell Okung right about now. I, I would. I, I'm. It's and we haven't even played a live game yet. I, I'm. I'm a little bit concerned to the point where we talked yesterday about moving Moten out to the left side. And I have a lot of reservations. I know Billy Marshall's listening. He's probably banging his head against the wall right now, saying, "John, no, man, come on, stick to your guns." Um, I don't. I mean, Moten. Look, he's had a few reps at left tackle. I. I just think they got to consider that. Uh, especially in a, at least one preseason game, at least from an evaluation perspective. Let's see what Taylor Moten looks like for a quarter or two against starters at left tackle. We've seen it before, obviously. He's better on the right side, uh, you know, but I, I just, I, I'm telling you right now, I don't think Cam Irving is going to keep Sam Darnold in a comfortable position from a pass rush perspective. You have to be quick out of the blocks these days against pass rushers. Again, McClover and I talked about this as it relates to his brother, Brian Burns, during camp. We had this conversation for at least 15 minutes about left tackles. And and we watched the tape on Irving, too. And you compare the tape with Irving against Moten. It's not necessarily to compare one against the other. It's just you're looking at a tackle with, with, with Irving with some technique, fundamental holes in his game versus Moten, who just finishes and plays with a, a, a certain – He's just, he's so well chiseled. His game is so well chiseled. Not just physically, but just from a mental standpoint, you can just see he's doing things mentally and physically in harmony, and he finishes every play. I very rarely do you see Moten taking a play off or making a mental mistake to get beat. He said one lap he said to run for a false start on his own. That's all I've seen. So I think they've really got to consider some options at left tackle. Obviously, Greg Little has had some reps at left tackle. Christensen, I, I think it's, look, Somebody asked me on Twitter about his arm length. It's I've talked to, again, a, a scout around the league who has done this for a long time, 
who, who has told me this. He said, I don't think it's a big deal. He doesn't necessarily play short-armed. Some guys with long arms still play short-armed. Um, he mentioned Vera Tucker has short arms, but didn't always play short-armed. Um, it'll show up sometimes, but it's not really a huge factor. And we talked about this sort of when he was drafted. Um, the, the arm length issue, was, it was not just with Christensen. A lot of the tackles in this draft had shorter arms than usual. But his, his arms are not, you know, he's not an alligator out there. He's got the ability to play out there. He, most of his reps I've seen have been at right tackle. I think if they decide to swing Moten out the left side and with the emphasis they put on Christensen right tackle throughout the OTAs, he's still got a chance to maybe be a, a day one starter at right tackle. I, I wouldn't bank on it yet. But I keep an eye on it. I would just monitor that. Um, the the rest of the lineup looks pretty set on the offensive line, and I'm I'm okay with it. If I'm a Panthers fan right now, Pat Elfline, you know, it's he's sort of interior line. You're a little bit masked there because you're in between a veteran with Matt Paradis, who does a pretty solid job, and then you've got a left tackle out there. But so far, I haven't seen anything egregious. I think he looks fine. I still think Dennis Daly maybe creeps up and, and challenges him for a starting role in that job. Uh, Paradis is obviously your center. Look, is he perfect? No, but he's solid enough. He's not Khalil. We get that. I mean, that's you can't replace that. But he does a decent enough job to, to get the job done for Sam Darnold. He's a veteran, too, and that's important for calls, pre-snap and all that. Um, and I'm so glad to see John Miller. And this is one of the advantages with Moten staying on the right side, I think, is continuity. John Miller and Taylor Moten did a great job last year, particularly in the run game. They ran some double teams. They did so good together in terms of being just, you know, whether they're doubling or they're singled up, they were both tremendous in the run game in terms of, you know, just commanding the line of scrimmage. Is Miller perfect? No. He has flaws in his game. There are times where he'll get beat, but he's pretty rock solid. I think he's one of the more underrated players on this roster, actually. John Miller, right guard. He's pretty much penciled in to be your starter, again, barring injuries. Uh, special teams, look, there's not much to tell you there. You know, I, I think the long snapper... Competition. We'll we'll see what happens there. You spend draft pick on a long snapper, you you probably end up using it. But um, we'll see what happens. Uh, they have cut their other punter, so it looks like Charlton. That's his job, uh, pretty much set in stone. And Joey Sly has been fine in camp. There's nothing to really report on that end. Everything has been uh, pretty rock solid on the kicking side and the special team side. But we will see. Questions? Okay, let's get to your questions. And then we got to jet on out of here because we are heading to Charlotte tonight for Fan Fest. Um, Fernando has got a question here on Twitter. Uh, you also saw the 19 offense, 2019 offense and defense at training camp in person. Obviously, it's another group of players and coaches, but can you tell if this unit's the same unit offers the same upside in terms of efficiency and wins that the 19 version had until Cam got hurt? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, it is a very different camp, uh, very different regime. Uh, tightly buttoned down. Obviously, there's music playing throughout the 11-on-11s. That's interesting. That's not something I think they did before during Ron, but it's something that uh, they seem to enjoy and seem to get a, a, a good deal of, you know, something out of it. So it's fine with me. I don't I don't mind that so much. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the talent pool, the level, I mean, look, 2019 camp, and again, this, this question relates back to my last camp I covered, which was two years ago. You had Newton, who was kind of on the upswing from feeling better. You know, he, he came in off the the, 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 the surgery, and it, it looked like the, the, the arm was 
really looking good at that point, and the foot was not an issue until the New England game. So that camp had a lot of high hopes for Panthers fans, and I had high, high, high hopes for this uh, this entire offensive unit. Um, you had Curtis Samuel, you had DJ Mork, uh, Chris Hogan. Um, you know, Ian Thomas was coming into his own a little bit there, but. And obviously, Greg Olson was still in the mix as well. Um, I, I would say this offense right now has more upside. The left, I, I, just, I hate to use the adage, you're one player away. Um, <laughs> but they are really a left tackle away from being one of the top tier offenses in this league. Now, I can't put a number on it, top five, top ten. It's PFF does all that. I'm, I'm not going to try to guess as far as where they'd be valued. But... Um, it would be a hard offense to stop if if the core skill players stay fairly healthy. Um, by the way, McCaffrey has been outstanding at camp. I just want to make a note of that. Chuba Hubbard has seen some reps um, with the starting unit, a few reps. Bonifin looks really good out there. Um, and and again, Tommy Tremble. I think they're going to use him in a fullback type of role and an H back type of role, sort of manhurt slash arma. In a way, they're going to use them both. One scout had told me that it was sort of a Richie Brockle mindset with that pick. And you guys remember Brockle from back in the day. Brockle was able to play the wing, play the H back, played fullback, did a lot of good things. But occasionally, get a carry or two. You never know with Tremble. He's a tough kid, but his job is to block. And as Greg Cosell told us, to melt your face mask. So <laughs> that's what I see there. But no, I, I think it's a good question, Fernando. If this offense can stay healthy. They, they measure up very favorably. Defensively, Carolina was I – mean, they had a weird defense that year. They were sort of transitioning to a sort of a 34 sort of – I mean, it's hard to put a – you know, 34 defense. You can call it anything you want. It could be a 4-3 variation of it. But they were running to more of a gap control defense, and I did never like what they were doing with um, – particularly with, you know, putting Keekly in a bad spot there. So that was that. Uh, Westbo with a question. LT Irving's to lose? Um, no, I, I mean, I think he's getting most of the reps right now, but I think it's, it's like when, when the games start, I think you're going to see it, it's not going to be good enough. I, I, I don't think Irving starts week one. I, I don't, I, we'll see. I don't know. That's just my opinion so far. There's been some procedural issues with false starts. He does not look quick out of the gate in terms of his set. Um, I think you can maul in the run game just fine, but that's easier to do than, you know, lining up against a Brian Burns or, or players of his ilk and making that happen. Another question from Clyde, West Coast Clyde on Twitter. What's the likelihood of Christensen overtaking Irving? Is little a foregone conclusion at this point? Um, Christensen, I don't think is... is I, I don't get the sense that he's going to be playing left tackle anytime soon from a starting perspective. I, I think most of his reps have been at right tackle. You never know. We'll have to see. Uh, injuries happen too, so this could be something uh, by by injury, somebody's forced into a role that otherwise would not be there. Um, no, I think Little has been fine. He's done, you know, solid and on the second team. He's consistently been in with the second team unit at left tackle. I, I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion that he'll be cut, um, but we'll have to see. Let's see here from Worldwide Wood on Twitter here. How's the reps at PR shaking up on returner? I know Shy and CMC briefly reported to get some work out there. Yeah, I think Christian, I doubt Christian's going to be returning punts. Um, McCaffrey generally is out there just to sort of, you know, be with the unit, sort of veteran presence. I, I don't get the sense that he'll be your day one punt returner, but you never know with Matt Rule. Matt Rule is an interesting cat, and he does some strange things at times. Unconventional, let's just say that. Uh, strange would be 
<laughs> an understatement. Um, I think Shai Smith, it's a, a good candidate there. I think they want to keep him on the roster. He's made some decent plays in the passing game, and I think he's a good candidate to be your punt returner on day one. Um, from Keep Pounding BR, our good friend there. How you doing, man? Uh, would you take six or seven wide receivers for the season? Um, and he mentions Omar Bayless, Shai Smith, Zalstra. Um, look, I, I think at least six. I think Bayless, he's, uh, Omar Bayless has been sort of a fan favorite here. And I wanted to see him up close because I, I, there was sort of a, a, sort of an urban legend mythology in my mind behind <laughs> behind Bayless. There's been so much talk about him. I just hadn't seen much of his game. He looks good. He's made some good plays. He had one slant route that he just he separated from coverage, and it was just like a slingshot moving forward. He's got good short area movement. He's able to get off the jam. He's a good player. Got good hands, too. Good kick, good size. I, I really would like to see them keep. Uh, Zalster has caught everything thrown to him. I mean, he's just looks like a player that could be one of your rotational guys in your top three or four. So he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Shai Smith, again, I haven't seen much of him in the offense, but again, special teams value is very good there. Same for Zalster, too. He's a very good special teamer in his own right, so we'll have to see. Um, Zach Griffin, uh, how are the rookies not named Horn and Marshall doing? Any making a push for a starting spot? Um, I, I, again, as you call them starters, I think Tremble has a chance to really see a lot of early action as your Arma, Manhurts type of player, you know, H-back, fullback. I think he's got a really good opportunity. They just cut Mason Stoke, their fullback that they had for a while. Um, so that frees up an opportunity there for, um, you know, for our guy there, Tommy Trimble, who I think could do some really good things in terms of his, you know, active nature as a blocker. He's really good. Um, other rookies, I mean, uh, Hubbard's going to be in the mix. Uh, Shai Smith, I think, has a chance to be the starting punt returner. Christensen might have a chance to be your starting right tackle. Um, you know, Davian Nixon, we haven't, again, it's just, it's early on. We haven't seen a whole lot. Deontay Brown, haven't seen a whole lot. It's hard to see at camp. We don't have good perspective. It used to be you could get really close and see the action. We're miles away here. So I get, I can't really speak to Deontay Brown, Davian Nixon, guys like that, because they're getting far less reps than some of the other guys I mentioned. Well, guys, listen, uh, we're going to be heading to Fan Fest here tonight and uh, giving you updates throughout the evening. Uh, follow us at one panther place that's the number one panther place appreciate your support again live from spartanburg at training camp john ellis signing off on blue wire we'll see you next time on the war podcast